I don't ask anybody's question but yours. Is he in? He is! Dungey with another touchdown run! Because you're an idiot. It's not how tall, it's how long, and Warwick got a piece of that. And really, a disloyal person. And a few other things I could add, but I'll, I'm not going to. Ennis, two seconds. He'll get a shot off on the way. Got it! He hit it! He hit the shot! Happy Tuesday, Cuse Nation. Game day for Syracuse today, taking on NC State, the Wolfpack. We're breaking it all down for you here on Locked On Syracuse. Tyler Rocky joined alongside Tim Leonard. You can follow the show on Twitter. And we thank you for all the support that we got after the inaugural episode. We, we got a lot of, of texts and, and some nice tweets at us, so thank you for supporting the pod. Tim, how you doing? I'm doing well. This is a big game today for Syracuse. This is a I know- huge game. It's been this way for, what, like a month now where every game feels like they've got to win it to keep pace with the tournament hunt and get more relevant. But this is the type of game where you're basically going against a team that's kind of like the Spider-Man meme, and they've got yep. kind of the same credentials as you. And, okay, like one of these teams might make the tournament, but two of these teams aren't making in the ACC this year. So you kind of got to win today. All right, so follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Again, that's the letter L, the letter O underscore Syracuse. So both of these teams uh, separated by a game in terms of their overall records. And like you said, there's not a huge margin for error between either of these two teams. Both of them, I would say, though, very different from a year ago in terms of uh, some of their philosophies. When you look at Syracuse, certainly more offensive-minded this year. NC State in the middle right now. And I got to say, with with these two teams, when you you break everything down, first of all, Kevin Keats, for as much grief that you see Pack Pride throw out that (laughs) <laughs> towards Kevin Keats's way, he is 2-0 against Syracuse, okay? He is. So he's gotten the job done against this orange team, and he's really doing it despite the fact that he hasn't had a real big-time guy to sort of take over the moment for the Wolfpack. There's, there's yeah, no Dennis have, Smith on this team. Right. They have a lot of balance, and they returned six of their top seven scorers from last year, but... They have four guys who average in double figures. C.J. Bryce maybe is their guy, but he's kind of been banged up this year with injuries. He's starting to play more like himself lately, but he only averages just right around 14 points a game. So it's not like they have an Elijah Hughes or even a Buddy Bayheim in terms of someone that's scoring that consistently. But this is, a, I, I guess, the, the team's a little bit different than last year, but at the end of the day, I think a lot of these pieces we're going to see Syracuse fans will be familiar with in terms of Markel Johnson, Devin Daniels, DJ Funderburg, Braxton Beverly. A lot of these guys played against Syracuse, and to your point, they played pretty well against Syracuse last year. They beat them 73-58 to in Raleigh, but still, it was a similar type of game when they met last year around this time, where it was two teams with pretty similar records. I think actually last year, they had the exact same ACC record and overall record. So this year slightly different because State's 15 and 8 and 6 and 6, so one game back of Syracuse in the ACC. But once again, it's that type of game that you just kind of have to win given that the ACC is only going to let in so many teams this year and NC State and Syracuse are not both going to make it. Right. This is this is a huge game because at the end of the day when we look at this, this could be a tiebreaker amongst the committee. When you're looking at two teams kind of neck and neck, you think about teams who are clumped into that potential tiebreaker, 
when we get to March, okay, you figure in the ACC, it's Syracuse, it's NC State, you probably throw Clemson in there. I mean, just looking at some of the other stuff here, I mean, Notre Dame, they haven't been they're great in the better. ACC, but they're playing a little better, so they could be thrown into that conversation as well. I mean, I'm just looking at the Ken Palm stuff. Notre Dame actually a spot ahead of Syracuse and a game better than Syracuse overall record-wise. So certainly something to, to keep an eye out for once we get closer and closer to Selection Sunday, which, can you believe it, it's about a month away now. As, yeah, I think it's as, uh, five We're weeks almost halfway now. through February at this point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, by the end of this week, we will be halfway through February, which is crazy to think, even though it is a leap year that the, the month is flying by, and, and that just means the, the chances are dwindling down. I remember talking to someone the other day who works. I can't even remember who it was or what team they worked with, but they were like, yeah, we got uh, only uh, two more home games left. And I was like, whoa, two yeah. more home games? <laughs> that's and awesome. it's just it's crazy to think that that's where we're at in the college basketball season. So now the games just mean a little bit more. And for Syracuse, they, they need a game like... NC State, all right? You have it right. at home. They really need a game like Florida State or at Louisville. Right, yeah. But we're going to find out in the next three games if this is a team that is still in the tournament hunt. Like, we will know by February 19th if this thing's still worthwhile to be watching because you've got to probably win two of your next three, and I think you kind of have to win this one. And you're in the middle of your hell stretch here, too. Uh, when This yeah. is the, the, the hell stretch that we've proclaimed midseason. Because, like, you can, you can look at the beginning of the season and kind of guess where it'll be. But midseason, this is definitely where it is. You look at the teams that, that Syracuse is playing now, all right? So Clemson and Duke kicked it off, all right? Those are two teams that you're going toe-to-toe toe -to -toe with for, for an ACC crown. Or ACC seating, rather. Yeah, and then, let's not get carried yeah, away. There. Okay. <laughs> um, but then on top of that, okay, so Wake Forest is, is your soft spot there, but you struggled with them at home. Now you got NC State, a team a couple spots higher than you on Ken Palm, and the, the Orange at 68, NC State at 61 right now. And just on the, Ken Palm? On Ken Palm, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm seeing right here. Unless, I saw 56, right? For, for which team? For Syracuse on Ken Palm. Did they just drop 14 spots or 12 spots? Oh, no, no, you're right. 68. I, I'm, so I'm looking at the matchup right here. Um, uh, oh, oh, no, I'm looking at the – so the result, okay. the, you know, the result yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, right. was screw, I was messing that up. So Yeah, they're a little bit right. higher they're on Ken Palm. They're a little Ken higher than, than NC State on Ken Palm. NC State's a little bit higher in the net, though. NC State's 62nd in the net, so this is a quad two game at home. SU's 65th in the net right now. Yeah, so the the importance of this game at an all-time high. And you mentioned last year's game, all right? So that's a, a game that Syracuse got absolutely boat raced out of the gate. Then they pulled a little bit closer, thanks, thanks largely in part to Robert Braswell. So do we have to yeah. do we have to come up with something every time they play NC State? Who's the Braswell candidate? Because it seems like there's someone <laughs> that emerges every single year. Like Braswell last year played really well and put them back in the game. John Gillen had the 43 point outing against them uh, down in Raleigh. Yeah, so that was pre Kevin Keats, but right, yeah, still that was so, quite the game. So you're looking at they, they just play these crazy games, uh, especially these last couple of years. So. I think the the guy who would have been the Braswell candidate would have been G Bryson Gooding, but yeah. can we even say that now? Now that he had that that big game against Wake Forest, 
But there's yeah, going to need know. to be someone that kind of steps up because NC State is the team that you're looking level-headed with in terms of, of standings. Right. And to kind of address the elephant in the room in terms of when you're looking at another team this year and you're thinking of it from a Syracuse perspective, it's do they have big men? <laughs> do they have someone down low that can cause problems, that can get Syracuse into foul trouble? And the answer to that is pretty much yes because DJ Funderburk is playing – the best basketball he's played in his career. He started the last seven games for NC State, 6'10", 225, one of the top offensive rebounders in the ACC, a guy that can shoot a little bit from the outside, can score at three levels. He's been very effective, 61% field goal percentage, second in the ACC. And then they also have Manny Bates, who's more of a defender, won't play as much for them, but he's leading the ACC in shots, shots blocked per game at three a game. So... He's 6'11", 230. Funderburk, 6'10", 225. They've got a couple guys off the bench that can bang around down low. So that is troublesome for Syracuse because, yes, you were able to beat John Mooney in round two, but we know the track record here when they've gone up against teams that have at least somewhat above average big men. Right. I mean, we saw it with Vernon Carey last week as well, just the dominance down low. And we'll see. Foul trouble is going to be a big thing once again. Can the Orange avoid it? And our other expectations, that's coming up in just a second. All right, so Syracuse and NC State later on tonight. You're going to be there, aren't you, Tim? Oh, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there for the uh, Bayheim press conference afterwards and everything. See what the players have to say. So we've got our uh, insider. Are are we going to get a Tim bomb? Are we going to get a Tim bomb tomorrow? (laughs) I I mean, it depends on how the game goes. (laughs) We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> so these two teams pretty evenly matched. We do- dove into that a little earlier. Let's dive a little deeper into the numbers and some of the matchups here because there's one matchup in particular that I know you're really intrigued by, Tim. Yes. And that's that's Devin Daniels and whoever the hell they decide to put him on. Right. I think he's going to guard Buddy Beheim. But the reason why Devin Daniels is very intriguing is because some Syracuse fans might remember from last year He is a very good perimeter defender, one of the top defenders steals-wise in the ACC, a junior who's been there a while, and he was tasked with guarding Tyus Battle last year and pretty much locked Battle up. Seven points, four turnovers last year. And remember, this was the game where the big three, which last year was Brissett, Battle, and Hughes, kind of all disappeared. They didn't make a three. They were 0 for 8 from beyond the arc because of good perimeter defense from NC State. They only combined for 15 points, those three guys, and Frank Howard was actually the only SU player to make a three last year in this game. He made five of them and led the team with 21 points, but that wasn't enough because Devin Daniels was doing a great job on Tyus Battle. So I would assume he will be tasked with guarding Buddy Beheim. Although I could see them putting him on Elijah Hughes, just because I, to me, that's I think kind it's, of the battle. I think it's Hughes. Just I mean, right. first of all, Elijah Hughes is the the top scorer in the ACC right now. So and and Hughes will beat you. He's better at getting to the basket than Buddy. It's not saying that Buddy's bad at getting to the rim, but just you want that versatility in a defender. And I think Elijah does that offensively a little bit better than Hughes, or, or um, a little bit better than Beheim. Yeah, and and their height's similar, right? So they're so right. Elijah and Buddy are both six six, Daniel's six five. So you're not missing a whole lot there, and yeah. 
Of course, that can change. Say someone gets the hot hand, Buddy Beheim starts going off. Maybe they, they'll flip it up a little bit. But to me, this, this game's going to be won and lost in how Syracuse takes care of the basketball. because And actually, both sides, how they take care of the basketball, because yeah. both teams can turn you over. And both teams really don't get lucky with their turnovers. So Ken Palm does this stat called non-steal turnover percentage. So what percentage of your steals come basically off of unforced errors, to, to put in a, 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 cool a tennis analogy? And it's basically what's... Um, what doesn't come off of blocks and, and steals. So how it's travels, stepping out of bounds, stuff like that. Right. And NC State is ninth best in the country at non-steal turnover percentage. That means they don't get lucky, really, with their turnovers. They're actually forcing the turnovers themselves. But meanwhile, on the other side, Syracuse has some pretty, pretty good ball handlers and offensively they don't turn the ball over a lot they're they're top 45 in the country in turnover percentage at 16.7 so they're not going to give the ball away and even though they do have a a pretty young backcourt yeah i mean it but it doesn't feel like they have a young backcourt you know what i'm saying like when when you've got gerard we've got buddy Beheim. again that's a freshman and a sophomore it can't get much younger than that yet you feel like you've got experience there, which is kind of nice for Jim Beheim to have. So that's why I think Syracuse ultimately comes away with this one. Ken Palm's got the prediction at the Orange winning this one by five. And I, I kind of I lean with him because I don't think the turnovers are going to be as big of an issue for Syracuse. And I think that's the way that NC State ultimately wins this game. I actually think NC State's going to win this game. And that's mostly from a perspective that this is just a good matchup for NC State. A couple things to mention about when Kevin Keats teams have gone against Jim Beheim teams. This will be the third game. Keats is 2-0 and against Beheim. But the one stat that's kind of weird, and I guess this sort of makes sense given the 2-3 zone, is Kevin Keats teams are known for running up and down the floor and shooting a good amount of shots and trying to get a good amount of looks throughout the game. The fewest field goals under the Kevin Keats era for NC State they've ever shot in a game is 49 field goal attempts. And that has been both times against Syracuse, they put up exactly 49 shots against Jim Beheim's 2-3 zone. So what that means, I'm not exactly sure. I guess that's going to slow down the game a little bit. And maybe it's weird to say this because this is usually the opposite with Syracuse and their goals in the 2-3 zone, but NC State has a bad transition defense, so maybe you'd actually want to cause some turnovers, which NC State has done against Syracuse in the past, and get out in space like you were saying a little bit. Let me counter that real quick, though, because okay. you, you mentioned how the, the, the fewest field goals attempted for Kevin Keats, okay? So off of that you figure that there's a cap to how much. It's basically a testament to the Syracuse defense. Am I right? Yes, basically. And, they slow things down. Right. So defensively, you know that. You're, you're probably going to get another low output in terms of field goals for, for the Wolf Pack. But this Syracuse offense is monumentally better than the past two years. And that's why I think if you're limiting Kevin Keats and the Wolf Pack to, to those low, a low volume amount of shots. Your offense is way better than the past two years. You should be able to overcome that and, and put more points up on your end of things. Yeah. And I, get, and I get that the defense has taken a bit of a step back, but Syracuse's defense is still pretty good. 
and, and the two-three yeah. zone is gonna is gonna limit the the, the amount fine. of attempts. But uh, so on top of that too is that NC State they really don't have great three-point shooting. They're they're under thirty-two percent, two hundred fortieth in the country. He's gone way yeah. down. Yeah, year. he's shooting, shooting twenty-five. 25%. Yeah, I saw that. So, he was forty-two percent last year from three. So that's so bizarre. You got to wonder if that's going to play a factor too. Because remember, a couple years ago, yeah, it went to overtime, but the Orange put up a hundred points against NC State, and I think this yeah. this year's Syracuse team is a lot more similar to that Syracuse team than it is to the Syracuse team of the past two years. Like even in overtime, scoring a hundred points in a college basketball game is impressive because yeah i mean a college basketball game with an overtime period is still longer or still shorter rather than an nba game and the nba is a league where i mean now it's a little bit different but scoring 100 points through through 45 minutes of play is impressive yeah my thing is just the big men are going to be a problem and if they get in foul trouble again it's not going to be as easy as it was against Wake Forest. So from a matchup standpoint, you've got Daniels on the perimeter, who I think will be able to limit Bayheim or Hughes, whoever he's on. And Markel Johnson's still a pretty solid defender on Girard. So it's kind of like the Duke formula. They've got some good perimeter defenders. It's a, it's a poor man's Duke formula because it's not Vernon Carey. It's DJ Funderburk, and it's not Trey Jones. It's Markel Johnson defending. But it's still the formula that worked, and Syracuse put up a lot of points in that game, but they let up, I think, 97, whatever it was, and I think we could see that type of game. So I actually think NC State wins this one, even though it's in the Dome. Let me throw out a little something with the, the, the big man situation, because now this is interesting because of what happened with Jesse Edwards. Jesse Edwards, as you and I both highlighted on Monday, were... We were kind of impressed with how he's held up defensively. He didn't make mistakes. He didn't do a ton of stuff that wowed you, but he didn't make mistakes. He was serviceable. So when yeah. the when you get in foul trouble with your bigs, because that seems like more inevitability as opposed to right. we'll, we'll wait and see. Syracuse, and this is another great Ken Palm stat we're throwing at you right here, <laughs> they've got two foul participation percentage. So what that is is when a player gets two fouls, how often is the coach likely to keep them in as opposed to yanking them right away? And Syracuse is 26 in the country with a 44.5% two-file participation rate. That's more than double the, the national average of 21, or actually closer to 22. So now that you know that Jesse Edwards has given you a game in ACC play where you needed him and he answered the call, what's Jim Beheim going to do when someone picks up two fouls early. Let's say Sadibe gets in that early foul trouble. He gets the, the two early. Is he getting the hook? Or is Beheim going to say, no, I'll throw, I'll throw Dolajai out there for a little bit. And then if Dolajai yeah. gets in a little trouble, then I'll spell Sadibe back in. But I've got Jesse Edwards in my back pocket, and I'm not afraid to use him at the end of the first half. I don't know if I'm as sold on Edwards as you are based on that Wake Forest performance. Now, Listen, I I'm do not saying think he's some he sort of good. mega star. All right. Yeah. I'm not saying he he was he was like an Anthony Davis type down there. Right. Uh, what I'm right. saying is he did he enough nice for plays, you to win. But he did enough for you to win. And he, yeah. And it may not show up in the box score what he did as well. Yeah, he made some steals, some deflections. I just it's one thing to do that against Wake Forest. It's another thing to do it against an NC State team that is desperate for a win and has 6'10", 225 pound DJ Funderburk that 
is actually able to shoot from the high post. I mean, they're going to shoot a lot of twos in this game. I know you're focused on the threes, but they've got guys that can actually beat you down low and especially beat you considering it's Syracuse and especially beat you when they do get in foul trouble because, like you said, that's when, not if. Yeah, that's fair. I just think that even though you, you mentioned NC State likes to shoot the two, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be able to shoot the two just given the nature of this zone defense. But we'll see. Yep. That's coming up tonight. We're excited. Tim's going to be there. So we'll have all the content for you throughout that game. And then we'll we'll recap the whole thing uh, on Wednesday morning. And we'll you and I, right. I, think, I think we're both, even though you're picking NC State for a win, I think we're both hoping for a Syracuse win just so oh, we can we can read the Pack Pride posts in the morning. Yes. On, yes. on the NC State That's message boards blast. because those are listen, if you got some time, go check out Pack Pride. That's all I'm going to say. Especially right? if Syracuse wins yeah. and obviously if you're listening to this you're a Syracuse fan and you want to go see some crying NC State fans, that would be worthwhile late tomorrow night after a victory. Right. All right, coming up, we've got some football talk, all right? We we jam-packed everything into our inaugural episode, and we still couldn't get to everything because there's the three segments. we got to stick by the book there, but we're going <laughs> to dedicate this third segment coming up right here to the new defensive coordinator at Syracuse, Tony White. That's coming up. All right, let's talk some football here to close out the show. It's really the season that never dies. I mean, you look at NFL, now we're transitioning to XFL. Now we're going to get into some college football here on the Locked on Syracuse podcast because over this past weekend, the Orange brought in a new man to lead their defensive unit. That is Tony White, who was supposed to be the defensive coordinator at Arizona State. He was the next man in waiting for Herm Edwards, but now he's going across the country and joining Dino Baber's staff in Syracuse. And when I lay it out that way, it kind of seems odd, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. It, it really does. You, you're going for that. you're going from playing for a, a big time NFL coach and a guy who's got a brand across the entire league. I mean, you think of the reason why Herm Edwards goes to an Arizona State is because that makes the recruiting game easier for you, right? And let alone recruiting, you figure that makes coaching and, and re recruiting coaches to come coach for you a little bit easier. But Tony White is spurning the Herm and heading over to to Syracuse uh, to take over this defense and bring in the 3-3-5 formation, which is something we'll break down what all that stuff means yeah. probably more towards the summer once, once training camp gets going a little bit more. So if you remember a little bit, Zach Arnett was supposed to be brought in as the guy to lead this defense next season after the Orange fired Brian Ward during the season, and then Steve Stanner was the interim to close out the year. But Arnett spurns Dino Babers, and a week later decides to take the Mississippi State job, which is just a wacky scenario in and of itself. But now they're getting a guy who was under Arnett for a little bit at San Diego State. So... This is this is a an interesting li little fold right here for for Syracuse because they're they're kind of going off the board right now and and going towards uh, uh would you call it a trendy sort of defense three yeah, three five I think it so. seems like it's starting to take over college football a little bit yeah and look I do think that the fact that our net in his three three five system got some SEC love from Mike Leach in Mississippi State, while it does stink for Syracuse that he was snatched before they even got to get him as their DC officially, 
it it's a good sign, right? That like an SEC school is willing to put their three three five. I do think this is a trendy pick, but good for Dino because he's come out and said, and he's been kind of transparent about this about how the three three five. I'm not totally convinced it's going to work. I don't know if he said it exactly that way. I don't want to mix his words, but his point is we're going to try this out because whatever was working or what the four three it got some turnovers, but it was clearly not working. And this defense is supposed to be much more aggressive, obviously more reliant on defensive backs because, you know, you got five of them back there. And let's face it, the defensive backs room is great for Syracuse. I mean, Trill Williams is going to be back. Melifonwu back. Andre Sisco back. That's three guys that could play in the NFL right there. And they've got some good recruits coming in in that area. So from that standpoint, I do like the 3-3-5 defense. I actually got sort of bullish about the whole thing reading up on it more and like you said we'll dive into it more at a later date and time but when the arnett news came out i thought wow this is a good idea and i like this trendy defense so i was kind of it was kind of a shame that arnett left so i do like that they kind of went with someone from that same tree and like you said it's a pretty good get to get someone to come from arizona state to syracuse whether included and everything that goes along with that decision so the interesting thing to me is you, you bring up the aggressive nature of this defense. And that was kind of Dino Baber's calling card when he was a head coach at Bowling Green State. Listen, the defense wasn't going to be top of the line, but we were going to force turnovers and get the ball in the hands of our offense because we know that we're going to score when we have the ball. Kind of similar to what Syracuse did two years ago when, when they won 10 games. If you feel that strongly about that, and, and I think that's a philosophy that they just have to adopt and go headfirst into because I like that. I like the fact that this is the way that the defense is going to trend because, again, you need the game-breaking plays to make the offense work. If you can make life easy on your offense, especially given some of the struggles we saw last year, but I, I still have faith in the Dino Babers system. I just think it needs maybe a little personnel tooling. Obviously, the offensive line is a big issue for this team. Right. But you need that game-breaking ability on defense, and you've got the playmakers to do it, like you mentioned. you got Trill Williams, Melifanu, and, of course, Andre Sisco. You've got the personnel, and I think that's the perfect kind of attack that you can have defensively for this team now. I'm a fan. We'll see how it works out. Yeah. All right, because there, there's obviously questions to be answered with this defense that's coming off an, a horrid year. And it, it, I mean, yeah. the way that the switch flipped from 2018 to 2019, you kind of scratch your head because you brought a you brought back a lot of your big playmakers from a season ago. You're right. They clearly need to make changes and they're doing that. And, you know, Dino said something in the National Signing Day press conference when he was asked about Tony White that it sounds so simple that I don't know if it's going to be relayed that great once I say it, but he basically said, I want a defense that is playing not to lose, which it's like, yes, coach, like obviously that's the goal with the defense. But once he said that, it kind of clicked with me because that is just the feeling you had watching the Syracuse defense last year. Well, helplessness. Yes, it was players that were like, okay, I don't want to be the guy to mess up. Well, now, if you change the mindset into an Andre Sisco's mind is, I want to be that guy that's a ball hawk like I have been And I think that is that he's one of the few guys that thought that way. 
last year. So maybe it's changing a linebacker's mindset or some different phases of the defense. But the point is, if there's a more aggressive mindset, and it just seems like that would be a better mindset overall. Now, obviously, aggressive is better than playing to lose, and that all sounds kind of dumbed down and simplified. But the way Dino said it, it did really stick with me like, okay, if this is really going to bring a change in mindset, I think that's for the best. And again, there's a lot of positions that need some retooling. I mean, you're, you're sending two guys to the NFL draft combine in Alton Robinson and Kendall Coleman. Then on top of that, you're graduating some linebackers as well. Like there's a lot that needs to to be figured out defensively. And we're going to see who kind of steps up to the occasion there. Now, most of that's on, on the defensive line, but at linebacker, too, you're, you're going to have to do a little bit of retooling as well. Andrew Armstrong's mm-hmm. gone. So you're retooling the D-line, and you're kind of retooling the linebacking position. But outside of that, I mean, the secondary's been strong for a couple years now. and But the surrounding part, it's like kind of how it's the inverse almost, or not the inverse, but just a change of what we saw Three years ago, when Zaire Franklin and Paris Bennett, like you knew you were getting an A plus performance yep. every single game out of that unit. Linebackers every single game, but it was the rest of the team that kind of crumbled. Now, defensively, you got to find that cohesion because in 2018, you kind of had it, 2019, you didn't have it. Yeah. Zaire Franklin and Paris Bennett is the classic. You didn't realize how good you had it until they left. And I and know, you know we- what? There might be a, a new duo. When you've got guys like Michael Jones, who I really like, Juan yep. Wallace, who I think can be a spark, Lee Koba, like there's guys there, and we may have sure. that second coming. But I do think linebacker is still somewhat a question mark going Agreed. into this season, and it's, it's been it's a unknowns. question mark every offseason since Zaire Franklin and Paris Bennett have left. And it actually was pretty good in the 10 and 3 season, obviously. Right. But, but that's then because it was you brought a in other pieces. Again. Yeah. Like so, Ryan Guthrie, a Juco guy who played well. And then Armstrong kind of emerged. Right. So I don't know if it was necessarily the linebacker's fault last year. It was more – that's my thing. It was more a systematic issue last year. And the mindset they had, and clearly the scheme just was not working. That was evident against teams like BC. So you had to go out of in-house and get someone outside of the program to fix that. And Dino's done that. So I think this has been a solid offseason all around, and we'll see. I mean, I think the hype for the season is building after hires like this one. Yep. I'm excited. We'll see what happens defensively. Anytime you, you introduce change, that always gets yeah. gets the fan base kind of tingling. But we'll, we'll see. We'll address more football stuff as we get closer to the season. Tomorrow's show will be a fully dedicated NC State recap. So we'll have that for you tomorrow. Tim and I will be back doing that. Tim, will you'll have some inside locker room look as well, so that'll be interesting to hear from that. And we'll have our full thoughts. And we'll have, we're planning on some guests for the remainder of the week. We promise yep. the guests, we will get you guests this week. They're still TBD, but just know they're going to be good ones, and you're not going to want to miss that, all right? So follow the show on Twitter, at LO underscore Syracuse. You can check out Tim at Tim underscore Leonard 4. I'm at Tyler, A-K-I underscore. So follow us, follow the show. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk soon.